Our scripture reading for this morning comes from Psalm 31. Psalm 31. Maybe we could have the house lights just for a moment so we can at least read that portion together. Page 872. The Psalm of David, Psalm 31. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Free me from the trap that is set for me. For you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. The word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, as we commemorate the events of Good Friday, Consider with me this morning the words from Luke chapter 23, verse 46, the last words of Jesus as he hung on the cross. These words, as you see them on the screen. The trial is over. Justice has been mocked since an innocent man was condemned. The crucifixion has taken place. The anguish of hell itself has been suffered And now Jesus is about to die. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It's fascinating to know that the one who has come to fulfill the Old Testament, or as the one who has come to fulfill the Old Testament, Jesus again quotes one of the Psalms. We read it just a moment ago. Earlier in the Lenten season, we noted how Jesus quoted Psalm 22, verse 1, when he cried out, as we heard it this morning, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And now, as Jesus is about to die, he quotes Psalm 31, verse 5. When we look back at Psalm 31 and the context in which this verse was quoted, we see that the writer, David in this case, was not thinking primarily about his death. Psalm 31 was not a psalm written by one who was about to step into the grave. On the contrary, the writer was petitioning the Lord to prolong his life, to destroy the evil plans and plots of his enemies, and to protect him. In the last Verse or in the last part of the psalm, verse 19, he praises God for his goodness and for his steadfast love and help. Psalm 31 is really a psalm of life. And yet in the midst of that psalm of life, we read verse 5, in which David makes the statement about committing his spirit into the hands of the Lord. It's a conscious 
statement on the part of the writer. David knew he was in trouble because his enemies were lying in wait to take his life. That didn't mean that he was giving up and preparing to die. No, this is a statement of faith. Over against the realities of his life situation and with his eyes fixed on the future and the work that he still had to do and with the promises of God concerning his taking the throne of Israel ringing in his ears and heart, he commends or commits his spirit or life to the Lord for further guidance and direction. So as an act of faith in verse 5, he places, as it were, his life, his very being, himself into God's hands as a trust or as a deposit, knowing full well and trusting that whatever is handed over to the Lord will indeed be kept safe and freed from all danger and distress. So David, having handed himself over to the Lord, having surrendered himself to the Lord, knows that the Lord will prolong his life for further service. David knew and understood that ultimately his enemies could not hamper the Lord from carrying out his plan of salvation, a plan which very much included David. Sure, there were times when David had to flee for his life, but at the same time, this servant of the Lord knew that ultimately nothing and no one could touch him, for the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. The Lord is my rock and my salvation, the strength of my life. The Lord is my fortress, the stronghold of my life. Or as Psalm 27 put it, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David knew and believed that the God to whom he committed his spirit was his Redeemer and a faithful God. And having thus put his life into the Lord's hands, David then went forward with confidence. He looked forward to the life still to come, fully aware of the fact that the Lord would fulfill his purposes for his servant, into your hands I commit my spirit. So you see then from Psalm 31, this is a statement uttered not at the end of one's life, but at one of the very critical points along the way in that life. Well, now come with me to Calvary, because at Calvary we hear Jesus quoting David, quoting a psalm which, as we noted, has to do with life, not impending death. And so, as, so we note, sorry, sorry, so we ought to hear Jesus' words from the cross in the same light. For this theme of the psalm becomes the theme, as it were, of the final shout from the cross, as David committed himself into the Lord's hands for further guidance and direction, so now Jesus commits his life, hands his life, his spirit to his Father in heaven, not primarily so that he may die in peace, but so that he may at the appointed time 
once again receive life from the Father and live in glory, the glory he had before he came to earth in the first place. So notice what Jesus said. I commit my spirit. Jesus is in control here. Pastor John reminded us of that same fact when we looked at the statement, it is finished. Jesus is active here throughout this whole process. He is handing himself over to the Father. He himself placed his life in the hands of the Father in heaven. Jesus sacrificed himself not because he was somehow forced or coerced into doing so, but because he wanted to willingly, voluntarily, he laid down his life. That's what he told his disciples he would do in John 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's precisely what Jesus had come to earth to do. He had come to take away the sins of all those who believe in him, and now that's what's happening. The good shepherd is laying down his life of his accord for the sheep, the likes of you and me. Now Luke, who was a medical doctor by profession and therefore understanding something of what hours of hanging on a cross can do to a human body, also adds that Jesus didn't mumble the final saying in resignation. Jesus did not choke out these words like one would do after hours of suffering on a cross, like one who could stand it no longer, you know, like, oh. No, he cried out in a loud voice, says the Bible. That fact only seems to reinforce the truth that Jesus was in control and that he voluntarily gave his life for us. It's an active, conscious deed on his part. And the fact that it is, is significant for your and my salvation because there, is, there simply is no one who has ever lived or who will live besides Jesus Christ who can save us from eternal abandonment or hell. Jesus was perfect, innocent, even Pilate testified to that fact. He didn't deserve to die such a cruel death. For that matter, he didn't deserve to die at all. And yet he bore all the suffering, the physical, mental, and spiritual torture willingly. So great was his love. So perfect his obedience. If you've read this Lenten story throughout this particular piece, uh, season once again, then you'll notice that not once along the way did Jesus say, okay, that's quite enough of the pain or anguish. Okay, I'm going to stop now and go back to heaven. Not once did he say, okay, legions of angels, please come down and wipe out all these people standing in front of me here. I'm through with it. Not once did he say, I'm going to skip the cross, forget it. Not my will, but yours be done. 
No, instead, he endured the suffering to the end, and he even willingly went a step further by actually dying. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The writer of Psalm 31, by committing himself into God's hands, makes thereby the declaration that his enemies, who think they are powerful, really had no determining influence on his life. David declared the enemies might think that they're sovereign, but God is the sovereign one, and he is the one who determines the future. And the future is not something that any enemy is going to decide. We'll now go back to the cross once again. There on that little mound just outside of Jerusalem, Jesus' enemies figured they had it all in their hands. We have determined the course of this rabbi's life. He's going to die, and we're finally rid of him. But with this last utterance, whether they understood it or not, Jesus changed all of that. He said, in effect, what David had stated in his psalm, it's not these people, it's not these teachers of the law, these soldiers, this Roman Empire, or any Jewish religious leadership who is determining the future or the course of history. Oh, Lord, it's you, and only you who does that. These people gathered here around the cross say, this is the end, he's about to die. But Father, this is not the end at all. For we will go on together and the work that I have begun will be brought to completion. And so notice again that Jesus addresses life. Jesus' enemies may have thought that they put him to death, and therefore they had done away with him. But Jesus, the very Son of God, carried on with the task of saving his people. It's really one of the authors that I was reading suggested that what Jesus was really doing was, when he shouted these words, was, was saying his evening prayer as he prepared to go to sleep until the new day. Some of you know little prayer like this too. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Now I lay me down to sleep. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It's kind of a neat imagery. And as the writer of Psalm 31 simply wished to say that he was going to continue on his way with his eyes fastened on the Lord God, the covenant God of Israel, no, so now Christ calls from the cross that he will go on with his eyes fastened on God the Father, his Father. And so Jesus asserts life even though he's facing death. He anticipated Easter as the new morning, the new day, the day of victory. And of course, that's precisely what the message of the Bible and the Christian faith is all about. Christianity is a faith that speaks about life in the midst of a world that's filled with death. Some of us here were, yes, were here yesterday in this setting 
for the funeral of Otto Koch, and we have reaffirmed life in the midst of death. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll not perish, but you'll have eternal life. Death may look like it has the final word, and it sure did on that Golgotha on Calvary, but it doesn't. And Jesus made that clear in his final saying from the cross. And then Luke tells us, when he said this, he breathed his last. So interesting, not, not one of the gospel writers tells us simply that Jesus died. Rather, the word used here in verse 46 is not the usual word used to describe the fact that a person has died. This is written in a manner perhaps to show that Jesus, that in Jesus' death there was something un unusual. Oh, he died all right, like any other human being dies. His heart quit beating, and had we been able to hook him up to the proper machinery, we would have noted there would be no brain waves. But in spite of the Lord, in spite of all of that, the Lord's work continued, and it would only really be a matter of hours before the world would see the next great step in God's unstoppable, wonderful plan of salvation. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. That's where we leave it today. But there's a whole lot more to this story as we will celebrate on Sunday for in spite of the reality of death, Christianity is all about life. Amen.